Before we get into today's show, I have a special announcement. We here at Uplifting Impact are going to be hosting an online virtual summit on how to be an ally from August 14th through the 16th. Join us for thought-provoking, interactive, action-oriented content that will prepare you to be the ally we need. Tickets start at just $97, and there are also sponsorship opportunities available. Go to upliftingimpact.com to get more information. Welcome to Uplifting Impact. Really glad to have you here with us today. We actually have an amazing guest here. We have Miss Becky Kukula, and she is got so many things that she's done. So I'm going to try and summarize all the cool stuff here briefly. But one of the things that she does is she serves as the Disability Equality Index Director for Disability In. In that current role that she's in, she's responsible for managing the overall DEI program. She's really very passionate about making sure that disability and inclusion conversations are happening in schools, in the workplace, and basically everywhere else. (laughs) She has worked in a number of industries, including marketing, entertainment, and now in the DE&I advocacy space. And she's also a prolific public speaker. It's so awesome to have you with us here today, Becky. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I wanted to start our conversation off with just talking a little bit about how you got into this into this work. And one of the things that you talk about or that we talked about in our first conversation was just what the transition felt like for you going into the work space and into corporate America. Do you mind sharing with our guests what that what that experience was like? Absolutely. I think it even starts with my transition into the world. I was born with dwarfism. My parents are average height, so they had no experience with dwarfism. And coming into this world with my parents equally as confused because obviously as a newborn baby, you don't really know how to advocate for yourself. But my parents were going to work hard to research, do as much as they could to make sure I could feel included. And as an equal member of society. As I continued to grow up, there were many times where people would try to prove to us that that wasn't a possibility and my parents would put their feet down. And when I was old enough to advocate for myself, I started to see it in the younger generation, people trying to exclude them. And I always think back to the day I was born and how my parents were fortunate to find the resources they needed because they were willing to search for them. But a lot of people don't have the resources they need or the level of acceptance when they're equally as nervous because they just want a healthy newborn baby. I think that kind of led to my career path where I knew I had to work hard because I was going to have to work harder than the person next to me. There's always going to be someone who is going to be given more opportunities just because of not having any type of difference. And people tend to hire and promote and even include people more when it comes to education because it's someone that looks more like them or they think they can relate to more. I even had some friends in middle school who didn't have to take some tests because the teacher liked them a little more or friends who got a play part in a play even though they knew they were about to go on a family vacation. And I was like, I tried out for that play. And the best part I got was not a part that I was ever hoping for. Sure. 
And uh, I grew, so I grew up trying to keep up with all of my average peers. And luckily I had the support I needed in my community. But once it came to going to college and then searching for jobs, even mm-hmm. though I was able to get internship opportunities in college, I still struggled when it came to entering the workforce. I ended up sending out a thousand resumes to get my first job opportunity. And wow. even after those thousand resumes, I went on a hundred interviews. And every time I walked in the door, I was judged based on my appearance. It was before LinkedIn, before any of the resources available now to kind of come out as someone with a disability if you choose to. I could put in my profile member of Little People of America now on LinkedIn, or even with my facial features, you may know that I have a type of dwarfism, but I didn't put it on my resume because I didn't think I needed to. And I did have internship experience and qualifications for those entry-level jobs I was applying for. And I think during the process of the 100 interviews, one thing that I craved that I didn't get much of at all was constructive feedback. There were some days where I was interviewing four times a day. I was probably exhausted and a terrible (laughs) interviewee by that fourth interview and probably not even well prepared, but no one was there to tell me. They may have said, oh, we just decided to hire internally or, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to go in a different direction with this position. But no one flat out said to me, like, we weren't going to hire you because you cannot interview. That made me think on the receiver end that the reason they weren't hiring me was because of my short stature, even though I believed I could do what was asked for in the job. And it wasn't like I was applying for these senior level jobs that I wasn't qualified for. Right. And what I ended up doing after the 100 interviews is I went to a temporary placement agency and I was able to transition from the traditional interview to a place where people could advocate on my behalf and send me somewhere to go start working. And I would go and work for days or months at a time to then be able to prove myself as being able to do the job. So ultimately, it was a seven-month assignment that finally turned into a permanent assignment that was my first full-time job at a talent agency. So there's so many things in that story. First of all, thank you for sharing it with us because I think one of the big you know, moments when you told me the story before and, you know, just hearing you share it with our listeners today is you talk about like your parents modeling for you, what advocacy looks like. Right. And then you talk about like being in a, in a work environment where you're in this temporary environment where somebody, it was a different kind of advocacy, right? Because they were sending you into a role that they knew that you're qualified for doing, but they were giving you like giving you the opportunity to show all the greatness that you already have right? And your parents, opportunity to show all the greatness you already had inside of you. And I think a lot of times we have systems set up and structures set up that just don't allow for people to even get into the door, right? Like we are, we have like a close sign on the door. The door is locked. We've thrown away the key. You know, we've got like, we do all these things and a lot of times we don't see it. And so having somebody who can help other people see it and can bust open that door and kind of kick it for us and give until we can build our own courage is part of the process. Absolutely. I don't want, 
Yeah. And I, th- and I think a big piece is don't be afraid of mistakes you've made in the past or if you've been having your door this closed and 10 locks on it up until this point. If you're telling us that you're willing to learn and willing to get better, you just want to know how, we're willing to work with you. I think a lot of times people stop right next to the really locked door because they're afraid of being judged mm-hmm. for being behind so long and not including people. And I think it takes having the courage to slowly open the door and learn from your peers. I think disability inclusion specifically is a place where all people know that they can get better in this space, all corporations. So even direct competitors are working together to try to get better and understand this community because it's been so long since there was actual attention paid to it and people realizing that there's actually a benefit to being more inclusive of people with disabilities. But you just have to communicate that you're willing to do it in order to draw that community to you. So it's including disability and diversity and inclusion statements, making it known you're willing to make an accommodation from the job application process on your career site to when they're coming in for an interview. And if you put that out there, it's up to the candidate to then be responsible to say what accommodations they may need. And Mm -hmm. it's also up to them to be passionate about the corporation and the job that they're applying to. I think people all of a sudden assume, oh, because we're interviewing this person, we have to choose them for the job. But it's, no, you want to still choose the best qualified candidate, but you want to give everyone a chance who has the qualifications to interview. Absolutely. And so one of the things that I really love about the work that you do is you help people identify ways that maybe they're not even aware of that they're, you know, things that they might be doing that are prohibiting people from even wanting to apply of even putting in that application. So I'd love to hear like, what are some of the things that organizations maybe are just not aware that they're doing, but they are, but they're doing. I think a big piece of it is even starting with that diversity and inclusion statement when a lot of companies are just saying, we mean everyone, so they don't leave anyone out, but the community still feels left out because it's almost like a pass that you're not spelling out the groups that you're including. So you think you're covering basis just by saying that. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to specifically spell out that disability inclusion is a priority within your organization. I think one of the biggest hesitations for whether it's in any type of industry, box office numbers for trying to include actors with disabilities, corporations wanting to make sure that it's still going to help the bottom line. Mm -hmm. We were able to do research with Accenture to prove that companies that do well in this space actually do well financially as well. And it is good for business because these people are going to try a hundred times harder than the person next to them because they're used to doing that from the beginning stages of their life. Mm -hmm. And the problem solving skills, just even getting out of bed in the morning, the amount of tasks you have to accomplish before even trying to get to work on time. And they're going to try so hard to get to work on time and work those extra hours to make sure they're delivering once they are afforded that opportunity. And I think it's that assumption that accommodation costs are too much money and they're going to affect our budget. But most accommodation costs are less than $50. And from the candidate side, they're going to want 
to ask for as few accommodations as possible, just enough to be able to successfully do the job. And I think sometimes it is, it's that mutual understanding, being able to have a conversation early on in the application process, the interview process, that you're going to keep that open line of communication if you need assistance on both ends. Because I think the candidate can be equally as guilty to not expressing what they need in order to succeed because they're afraid of being judged or being let go. Yeah. And I think it's at really high levels who are willing to express their passion for being more inclusive, whether it's being a parent of someone with a disability or someone who has a physical or, or invisible disability themselves. Those people who start to talk more about it make it a priority across their organization. And I think those are the leaders we need to look up to, but also encourage employees at all levels to express what they need in order to be more successful. So one of the things that you've said like again and again, and I I think we keep coming back to this because it's such a critical component of this is fear, right? Fear on the candidate side, fear on the employee side, fear on the organization side, fear of the budget. I mean, there's just a lot of fear that's wrapped up in this. And I know that you have an amazing TED talk that you are preparing around this topic area. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do to get past all of this, all of this fear so that you can take action? I always love uh, just hearing from Brene Brown about just like getting in the arena, getting out there and putting yourself out there and knowing that it's okay if you fall Mm -hmm. because you will get back up again. My father always tells me if I have a bad day one day, what I can be sad for that one day, but tomorrow (laughs) I better get back up again and just keep going. And I always think back to that because you have to just try, try and try and know that it's equally as hard for someone on the receiving end as someone with a physical disability that I can't hide. I have to constantly walk on eggshells knowing that I'm in a room with someone who may be fearful. Mm -hmm. I've even been told by people that they have a family member who has a fear of people with dwarfism. And then I have to try to be kind and overcompensate because they're fearful of my existence. And it's, it makes it very awkward, but right. it's a reality. And I don't want to make people uncomfortable from my end. So then it's trying to find that even ground so we can just have a normal conversation. And I think fear is just one of those things that constantly gets in the way because it's people not willing to learn and keep an open mind. And they think that they have to go all in or not in at all. So I loved what you said before about like accommodations that most accommodations are like $50 or less, because that is one of the biggest things that I hear from people too, is they're like, Oh, you know, I don't want to get this building change. Cause then we're getting out of our grandfathering or I don't want to, you know, do like, they just have all these like fears that are associated with dollars. The other interesting thing that I've, so the under $50, I think, please hear that friends, right? It's, there's ways to do this, especially now given a lot of the technology that we have, right? To be able to, to make things more accessible. But the other thing is that when you, when you think about like some of the accommodations, when people decide they're going to do this and organizations decide they're going to do this, what they find is that it's not just good for the candidate. It's good for their entire practice. Have you seen that too? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of one of those cool things where you, when you take a step back and you think about like how we create more inclusive environments, it's not, it, it is, you know, it could maybe be brought to your attention because of an individual situation or a request that they've made, but that really there's a lot of opportunity to just grow as an organization and be better as a whole. And I feel like that's one of the added benefits of adding that lens to everything that you do. And definitely. So one of the areas that's a prime example of that is website accessibility. A lot of companies may not think about it as much as we are thinking about it in the disability inclusion space. But if you want to be inclusive of people who are blind and have low vision, they need to be able to access your digital platforms in an accessible manner. A lot of companies are more accessible outward facing because they don't want to lose customers, but they forget what about hiring people internally who can help make it more accessible internally as well. And they should be able to have access to the tools internally. And then you can serve your customers even better once you have more people who are knowledgeable in that space. So if you are behind in that space, don't say that you're needing to get more accessible in order to invite them into your workplace. They can be the solution that can help you get better. Absolutely. And it, again, that's another, I feel like one of those areas, right? Where people are like, we have to get better before. No, this is, this is, that's not how the process actually works. You want to be, if you can be inclusive today, right now in this minute, do it. Yes. Right. Because this is a constantly growing space. There is no like right time to uh, start changing your policies and systems. Absolutely. In the Disability Equality Index, we have the questions live on the website because we want companies to be working on it year round, whether Mm -hmm. or not you think you're officially ready to participate, which being ready to participate is overcoming that fear and just getting started and holding yourselves accountable. And it does create conversation across the enterprise and it makes people realize who are just getting started on this journey, that there's a long way to go and they can get the support they need if they look out for it. Yeah, I think one of the things about creating that space, right, where people can have conversations is there's a lot of people who have invisible disabilities or, you Mm -hmm. know, and so when you have people who are in all these different like ability spaces, if you don't have a place where people can have the conversation, you might not know, you know, what, what you need to change. What blew my mind recently is we were doing a workshop on mental health and someone mentioned how it takes some patients who are diagnosed with any mental health condition up to 10 years to get treatment because it's probably starting with them not coming to terms with it themselves and then not seeking out the support they need in time to then it almost feeling like it's too late. Wow. And I think a lot of like, especially with all that we're going through now, I think people need to check in with each other and make sure they express whether or not they have the resources they need to feel okay. And it's okay to not feel okay, but you need to be able to get the support you need. So uh, you don't become more at risk. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter what sector you're in. It doesn't matter what space you're coming from. If you don't take good care of your people 
And if you're not creating an environment that allows people from all different backgrounds and experiences to come into your space, then you're hampering your ability to grow. You're hampering your ability to thrive. And, you know, you talked about the business case a little bit earlier in this conversation. You talk about it from like a human standpoint, like just what it, what it feels like when you are trying to navigate all of that space. There's just so many different angles to look at this work, but I feel like no matter which way you do it, having you as an advocate is a win. (laughs) So thank you very, very, very much for all that you are currently doing, all that I know that you're going to continue to do to really elevate the conversation. I think a lot of the fear goes away when people have somebody that they feel like they can connect to. And I know that that takes a lot of your time and a lot of your energy to be a person who is accessible in that way. But I'm, I'm deeply grateful for you doing that here today on the uplifting impact podcast, but also for what you're doing in all of the different spaces that you, that you move in. Thank you. Thank you for bringing attention to this community and the importance. And as we all say, it's just a, even your identity as someone with, as my identity, as someone with a physical difference, physical disability. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of my character, but it's not all of who I am. Yeah. And I think people also have to understand that, that there's a lot that people can do to contribute to the world if they escape that thing they're fearful of, that piece of someone's identity, and learn all about the richness that's within them beyond and how we can relate more in that way than being fearful. Well, I have a feeling that there's somebody who's going to listen to this podcast and somebody who has some fear, whatever that may look like, you know, a leader who's thinking about, wow, I know my practices aren't inclusive right now, or wow, I know that we have candidates that would probably be really great for this, but we've been doing whatever it is. And just hearing you talk and hearing you share your experience is going to give them the courage that they need to be able to move forward. So thank you again. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so if people want to stay connected, how do they do that? Tell us what's the best way. <laughs> Lots of ways. Uh, so the, to learn more about the current work I do at Disability In, you could go to disabilityin.org. And then if you want to learn more just about my public speaking and see videos of past speeches that I've done, you can go to beckymotivates.com. B-E-C-K-Y, and then the word motivate with an S.com. And then my videos are on the YouTube forward slash Becky Motivates. And I invite you to open up the conversation. I always tell people, don't make assumptions. Just ask me anything on your mind, and I'm willing to help you navigate that answer and find the resources you need. So please feel free to reach out. Don't hesitate. And let's continue the conversation. Absolutely. Well, so grateful to have all of you here joining us today with Becky on Uplifting Impact. You know, we believe that if you want to make a difference in the space as a leader, you have to move through this fear. You have to put yourself in a place where you're vulnerable, but you have to also be thinking about things from a lot of different lenses. I think we learned a lot today and a lot of things that we can apply immediately to the work that we're doing. So we are looking forward to having you on another Uplifting 
impact uh, podcast, whether you're listening to us or you're watching us, we're just grateful that you're here. We believe that if we work together and we create more diverse, inclusive and equitable environments, that the world will be better. So let's go out and do it. Thank you. Yes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.